Welcome to episode 6 of the Startup Scientist podcast. I'm your host, Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here to talk about navigating and building your scientific career using a startup framework. Now, as I was preparing for my move from Sydney to Oslo a few years ago, I had to go through everything I had in storage to figure out what I'd throw away and what I'd bring with me to Norway. And while I was doing this, I came across all my study notes from high school and my undergraduate psychology degree, and the amount of notes I put together was pretty staggering. For all time's sake, I had to flick through these notes, and I was reminded that I wasn't just putting in a lot of time, I was putting in a lot of focused time when it came to my study and work. Back then, I was able to set aside hours of time where I would study with only short breaks every hour. I currently wish I had that level of focus today with the work that I have. Now, compared to a decade ago, we battle against so much distraction. In this environment, Cal Newport, who also has a fantastic blog that I'll also link to, has recently published a book called Deep Work, which I'll be reviewing in this mini-cast. Now, I've read a ton of productivity books, and I'm guessing you are because you're listening to this podcast, but most of them have been pretty forgettable. But I have to say that Deep Work is not like one of those books. In this book, Newport defines deep work as professional activities performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capacities to their limit. And he begins by outlining the value of deep work. He suggests that the big winners in today's new economy are people that learn and master things quickly and people that can produce things at an elite level and that deep work helps you do both those things. Related to this, Newport covers the important point that busyness is a poor proxy for productivity. As academics, we often hear people bragging about all the hours they put into the office. What are they really doing there? Now, it's not just a case of fooling around on Facebook. That's easy to see and easy to check. What really eats away at your time are the things that are technically work-related but don't give us any value. Now, others have called this false hustle. Now, this could be things like updating your CV or checking the status of a submitted paper for the fifth time that day, something that I'm guilty of. Now, it's really hard to track the work we do as academics. We're not factory workers, so we can't count the widgets that we produce today. And telling up word counts also doesn't cut it, as some types of text, like discussion sections, demand much more time than method sections, which practically write themselves. Our currency, which is publications, takes months and years to put together. It can be hard to piece together that a few weeks of focused writing will reap dividends in the months to come. One of the many concepts from the book that stuck with me was the utility of social media. Now we think we get value from spending time on social media because we get constant feedback. You share an interesting link or say something funny and people like it or retweet it. But the problem is that we don't see the drawbacks of the time spent on social media and the pursuit of retweets and the pursuit of followers. Let me put it this way. What is better for your long-term career goals? Is it growing your Twitter followers or growing your CV? Another concept covered by Newport, which is almost counterintuitive in the world of academia, is the importance of rest and downtime and having a deliberate end to the workday. I find this really hard to do in practice, as I still have that lingering guilt that I should be writing and reading papers. 
but the book puts forward some pretty convincing arguments as to why you should make your downtime a priority. Now, the only very mild criticism that I have with the book is a few pages where it veers into pop neuroscience for a, uh, what Newport calls a neurological argument for deep work. Now, what was said wasn't necessarily wrong. However, there were many oversimplifications in this section that actually veer pretty close to a lot of the neuroleadership stuff you read online, which is largely nonsense. But that being said, it is still the best productivity book that I've read in recent memory and highly recommend it. What's more is that the author is actually an academic himself. So there's a lot of useful stuff specifically for academics, and these books typically aren't written for academics in mind. This book was so useful that I'm going to buy a copy for any future graduate students that are coming into my lab. So that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed the first Startup Scientist review. Remember, if you like the show, to rate the show on iTunes. You can also leave a, a comment and feedback, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Bye for now.